On a scale of one to 10, how ready are you for tax season? Honestly, I think a negative number, like a negative four. I feel like maybe a two. <laughs> Three. Tax season? Oh, geez. Um, I, normally, I normally file an extension on my taxes. However, this year, it's gonna be different. I will not do that. Mm, six. I'm actually going to be working on that like the next couple days. Mentally prepared. <laughs> An eight. Logistically prepared. A two. Hi, I'm Darby Masters. Welcome to Tax Season on the I Make a Living podcast. W-2s, 1099s, 1095s, A, B, and C, 1040, 1040A, 1040EZ, the list of tax documents goes on and on. Taxes are complicated. This may be a sentiment that all entrepreneurs can agree on. Even if you know how to do them yourself, they're still complex. Since I'm American, I'll be referencing American taxes quite a bit. But no matter where you're located, if you're required to file taxes, the financial advice offered in today's episode should be relevant. That being said, the U.S. tax codes just went through a whole reconstruction. The deductions people once relied on may no longer be relevant, and it's overwhelming to try and keep up with all the changing codes. Unless you like to torture yourself with two of the most boring things in the world, which is math that is hard to do, and legal language, go for it, but definitely not something that I would uh, advise people spend their time doing, especially if they don't have the disposition for it. That's Paco de Leon. She runs a company called The Hell Yeah Group. It's a company that helps creatives and the general human population not freak out about their finances. The example I always love to use is all of the Harry Potter series is like, I think it's 3,407 pages long. Somebody, the listeners are frantically Googling that right now. I think it's something around there. And the U.S. tax code is 75,000 pages long. And I'm just saying, if you can't get through Harry Potter, you're not going to get through the U.S. tax code. And it changes. Every year it changes. I mean, right now we're, we're in the midst of like, oh crap, a bunch of things changed. What are we going to do? And unless you're an accountant, it's not your job to stay on top of the changes. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I read the books. I watched all the films. I even have the unofficial Harry Potter cookbook. But I have no desire whatsoever to read through the U.S. tax code. So the topic of taxes, excuse the pun, seriously evade me. I just don't get how they work. So this conversation I had with Paco de Leon, it was rather timely. I have a background as a financial planner, and I have a background in consulting. So I'm really, really good at being able to like look at the bigger picture and suss out like what's the signal and what's the noise. The hard part is teaching people how to do that themselves. Um, okay, the most common roadblocks I see are the first one is not realizing taxes are a reality. So pretending they don't exist. And by that, I mean, you know, April 15th comes around or March 15th comes around and they're freaking out because they have a $10,000 tax bill and they have $1 to put towards it. And then the other roadblock is like, oh, it feels like something I don't understand, so I'm going to do this ostrich thing where I just put my head into the ground and ignore it. And if I ignore it, then maybe it will float into the ether and disappear and I'll be exempt or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, not living within reality is the biggest roadblock. 
This is me. I'm the ostrich. Since I don't understand my taxes, I just ignore them till the very last moment, which is why I still haven't done my taxes this year. But talking to Paco was probably the best thing I could have done to get myself moving. I've got lots of friends and clients and people I know who make a bunch of money doing something that they love. And then uh, we all always have to have the uncomfortable conversation of like, hey, it's time to call your accountant and give them all your you know, expenses and tell them how much you made. And then they have to like basically punch you in the face and say, you owe a crazy tax bill and figure out what to do from there. Sometimes people have savings that they then deplete in order to pay for the tax bill. Other times you can come up with like a payment plan. The IRS definitely wants to get paid and they'll definitely work with you. The worst thing that you can do is just like ignore it. Another thing is people are just, they're afraid that somebody's going to knock on their door and arrest them and throw them into jail for not filing their taxes, which I don't think that's ever happened. Guilty. As crazy as it sounds, I've definitely had the fear of going to jail because I did my taxes incorrectly, which actually did happen last year. Not the going to jail part, just the wrong paperwork part. I had submitted all of my paperwork to the IRS on time, but apparently I filled out all of the wrong forms. So I would just like to validate that this is a real fear that some people, like myself, have. So as long as you're not actively committing tax fraud, you should be fine. But the first step is like, you know, talk to a professional and figure out what your options are. That's the first step to solving any problem, right? Sure. And in my head, when I think about hiring an accountant, because I technically actually don't have one right now. Oh, Darby. I know. Come on. (laughs) Come on. I need to get one. (laughs) Four sixteen. Four seventeen. Four eighteen. Four nineteen. Hi. Good, how are you? Are you Yolanda? I am. Wonderful, hi. I am Darby. Nice to meet you. you. That's Yolanda O'Neill, my new accountant. Paco convinced me it's about time I get one. If you are looking for an accountant, I would probably start within your community. It's important to find an accountant who's familiar with your industry. Like I said, the tax code changes, so it makes sense to have an accountant who has skin in the game. And by that, I mean if your accountant has 50 graphic designers... I'm pretty sure your accountant's going to care about monitoring the tax code, you know, watching if anything in terms of like a, you know, a service-based business like graphic design is going to change. They're going to know it. It wasn't too difficult to find Yolanda. She specializes in accounting for small businesses. We emailed back and forth for a bit to figure out what documents I needed to drop off. Okay, so here are the forms that I have. Okay, which one did you say that you needed again? We need uh, W-2s. If you are employed with someone, okay. you'll receive a W-2. Okay. So that means you were an employee. Okay. If you were an independent contractor, you would receive a 1099. 1099 is self-employed income, business income. Okay, so this time around I have both. Okay, <laughs> so I very have good. One W-2 mm-hmm. and then two 1099s. Okay, very good. Okay. So let me give you those. 
Taxes have always been confusing for me, but being self-employed has taken it to a whole other level because now I have to be aware of all the things that allow me deductions. I can get tax deductions on things that range from large expenses like equipment to something as small as business cards. But these expenses add up, and the more you report, the more deductions you get, and the less you need to pay the government in taxes at the end of the year. Let's talk about expenses now. Okay. Okay. So I am going to go down a general list of expenses, and you will let me know if you have any of those. If not, I'll just keep moving to the next categories, okay? That is perfect. All right. Advertising. Did you have any advertising expenses? This includes very simple things, believe it or not. It can include something as simple as business cards. Oh, I do have business cards. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say no. Okay, yes, I do have business cards. Okay, so I have business cards. I do have a website. Okay, very good. Let's talk about cell phone usage. Okay, yeah. Okay, a portion of your cell phone can be deducted as a business expense. Hmm. Unless you have a separate cell phone for your business, you cannot deduct 100% of your cell phone. Okay, okay. Okay? So what you want to think about right now is, A, how much you pay monthly for your cell phone, but then you want to say, what percent of my cell phone do I use for business? Okay. That amount is deductible. Mm -hmm. All right. Any kind of dues for organizations or any kind of annual fees that you pay? The subscriptions that I have monthly are Comcast. Okay. My internet bill. That's utility. Okay. That's utility. Mm -hmm. Spotify, which I guess technically, I don't know. I, I usually play music while I'm at work, but I don't know if that's deductible. Okay. Do you play music for your clients? No. <laughs> okay. If you play music in an environment where uh, you're entertaining a client when you do that, yeah. then it's deductible. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. If you're just playing music at home for fun. <laughs> not deductible. It's going to be tougher to get that written down. Okay. okay. So not Spotify. All right. Let's go on to the next category. It seems that you have a good degree of equipment here. Yes, I do. <laughs> Did you purchase any of this equipment this year? Or when I say this year, this 2018. This last year. Mm-hmm. Um, no, actually, most of all of this gear is okay. from FreshBooks. All right. Very well. Okay. Again, let's just re- reiterate that. If you are reimbursed for any expenses, you cannot deduct those on your return. Okay. okay. All right. How about, um, did you pay any interest, like for a business credit card or a credit card interest for something? Okay. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Any kind of legal or professional uh, services? So would this be considered hiring an accountant? Next year it will. Okay. Next year it will. Mm -hmm. Okay. okay, So for your 2019, for sure. Okay. Um, But for if you did that last year, it would be. Let's talk about your local in-town meals. Okay. (laughs) So this would be two things. Okay. A, if it was an entertainment situation where you actually met with a client, you took a client to lunch, you took a client to dinner, and you guys were, it was a business-related meeting, those are deductible. Okay. Okay. If you paid someone to help you with some work, let's say you were in your office and you guys were working through lunch. Okay or late into the night on a project, okay, and you sprang for dinner or for lunch, that would be considered a working meal. Those would be deductible. Do you have anything like that? I'm sure that I do, but I haven't been charting that. Okay. That's something that FreshBooks will help you with tremendously <laughs> this year. Okay. okay. 
All right. How about、uh, the meeting went on in similar fashion? She asked me several more questions concerning deductions, but I won't play all that audio since it's mostly me saying it's not really applicable. Deductions like parking tolls or postage and shipping, professional education, training classes, repairs and maintenance, like for laptops and equipment, software purchases, supplies, small tools, other kinds of taxes, travel expenses, any type of rent other than your apartment. So, do you have a storage unit? Maybe like you had to clear out a perfect example of something like this that people don't think about. If you have a home-based office and you had to clear that second bedroom of all your stuff and put it in storage. Interesting. No, I did not do that. Okay, that's very interesting. Okay, all right. And let's talk about your home office now. Okay. Okay. You do have an area specifically set aside for business use. Yes. Okay. Kitchen tables don't count. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and do you rent or do you own? I rent. Very good. Let's see. We are probably more than likely going to use the what they call the simplified method for business use of home. Okay. Which basically means they'll ask us how much square feet you use for your office. Okay. What's your total square footage, and then they'll make a calculation in the back end and just give you a deduction for it. Okay. Okay. Um, this works really well for people who have really small. Spaces. Okay. That way, you don't have to keep track of all your other things. If you、uh, had a home office that was pretty large, you had a mortgage on it, then you really want to start to break it down and see which one is going to work best for you. Okay. okay. But for now, let's go with the simplified method on that. Okay. Okay. And of course, we know that you did not use this home for a daycare business, correct? It was interesting going through the small details with Yolanda. There were a lot of things that I now need to take into consideration as 2019 progresses, and one of the biggest takeaways is just keeping record of it all. So you know, but you definitely want to try to make this as accurate as possible because. In the case of an IRS audit, they will ask you for these things. They'll say, "Let me see your records for your travel." They're going to want to see that. It's small; they may take a pass on it, but you just do yourself a favor and just get in the habit. So when you do start to grow, you start to hire employees, you start to partner with people, the, your records will be as clean as possible. So I encourage people to, when you're just starting off. Set up things the right way and get in the habit of doing the things the right way at the very beginning, so you're just not creating a bigger mess for yourself down the road. I am all about creating less mess and relieving as much stress as humanly possible. So preparing for 2019 tax season starts now. Most accountants will agree that if you save between 10 and 30 percent of your income, you'll be quote unquote okay for taxes. Of course, taxes are like. Millennials, they're unique snowflakes. Everyone's is different, and depending on your situation, ten to thirty percent might not be where you need to be landing. This is my disclaimer. I'm not an accountant. Make sure to ask your accountant. So I always have clients、um, call the accountant and say, "Hey, Paco said fifteen percent. Is that cool?" The accountant say, "You know, I think twenty five percent would be better because you know you didn't save enough last year, and I just want to be prepared." So asking your accountant, but that range is pretty. Pretty accurate. One of the things you want to look at is how much did you pay last year, and if nothing changes from year to year, you're safe for taking that amount, dividing it by four, and then paying a quarterly a tax payment on that amount. 
If you know you have a substantial increase, then you definitely want to make the calculations based on a higher number. Start with the prior year and use that as a baseline to get going. Having an accountant is a game changer. A person you can rely on who gives you tax advice? That's amazing, especially since personally, legal jargon is incredibly difficult for me to interpret. Beyond just preparing your taxes, accountants can help you figure out things like, does it make sense to set up an S-corp or some kind of entity because there's some tax-saving strategy? They can also give you guidance in terms of the different types of retirement accounts you can open up. All of the retirement accounts, all of the laws are written in the tax code as well, so they can help guide you and understand what those laws are, like how much are you allowed to contribute this year and how much money do you have to be making in order to contribute, all that really nuanced down-in-the-weed stuff. Um, They can also help you figure out whether or not it makes sense for you to pay in quarterly taxes and then, like, actually help you do that. They can give you advice in terms of, hey, I need to bring on an employee or a contractor. I don't know what I should do. Can you help me interpret the tax code to figure out, you know, what legally I have to be doing according to the IRS? So anytime there's anything that involves interpreting the tax code, sales tax is another great one, like people who are selling products outside of the state, figuring out whether or not you need to owe sales tax, that is gnarly. The laws are always changing. The state laws are always changing. So your accountant can help you with all that down in the weeds tax law stuff. What is the difference between a DBA and then an LLC? I'm still at the very beginning stages of my small business. So these were the questions most applicable to me. Oh, totally different. Okay. A DBA is you can, as a as an individual, get a DBA that's doing business as Darby Masters Productions. So it would just be you still as a sole proprietor. Okay. Okay. As a uh, LLC, now you are, your Darby's Masters is a separate entity from yourself, which means that you protect yourself legally from any lawsuits or any um, forfeitures or anything like that. So you definitely want to have a separate business name if you have something that really carries a lot of legal liability, such as owning an airline. (laughs) So when you get your first jet, make sure you put it in an LLC. Okay. 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 So that's how it works. Is there any benefit tax-wise or financially for getting an LLC for your company? There could be, there's some deductions you can take. However, if your sole purpose is strictly for tax purposes, then you might want to consider an S-corp. An S-corp, what happens there is, let's say you made uh, $100,000 in net income. In an LLC situation, all 100000 of that is subject to FICA tax, federal taxes, blah, 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 all the way down the list. The S corporation, you may have to, let's say you can pay yourself twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars in a salary, which would be subject to all of those taxes. And then the other fifty would be treated as a distribution. It would not be subject to the FICA tax. You'd still have to pay the federal taxes, of course, but you don't have to worry about paying the FICA, the Social Security and Unemployment and uh, Medicare tax. Interesting. So then why do people not create as S Corp? Well, because it's tricky. It's a lot of paperwork involved. You have to file annual reports. You have to have it renewed every single year. You know, you have to, you know, sometimes the tax element of it is difficult. So if you are a person who likes to prepare your own taxes, perhaps you don't want to do that. An S corporation is going to require you to file two separate tax returns, whereas a single member LLC or a sole proprietor, you only have to do one. So that's pros and cons to everything. So you have to think about, is that level of paperwork necessary or or even worth it to me to have this distinction? 
Yeah. And I guess that it depends on the level of business that you actually get. Like if you're a small business and you're not making that much income, then is it really worth it? To sure. You? Yeah. If you are a, uh, let's say a, um, a web developer, I'm just making it up, mm-hmm. and you have one client and you work primarily with that one client from home at your desk and there is no interaction with, you know, then it may not be necessary for you to go out and go through all those extra steps. Okay. If you have, if you're a therapist and you've got people coming in and out all the time, you know, of your home or, you know, if, if there's some major ramifications to bad advice, <laughs> you may want to consider, you know, you may want to consider filing those separate entities. So this is the reason why I have an accountant. Paco was right. I can go to Yolanda with questions just like these. She's a wealth of knowledge just like any accountant should be. Can I charge clients tax? You are a service-based business. Service-based businesses don't charge sales tax. If you want to negotiate something in your contract where an employer gives you an additional stipend, to help you with your taxes, by all means, you can try to work that out. They are not required to do so, and it wouldn't be considered taxes. When they give it to you, it would just be considered some type of uh, stipend or per diem or or whatever they want to call it, but they definitely wouldn't be for your taxes directly. It would just be a bonus or, you know, some type of additional salary or whatever they want to call it, but it wouldn't be necessarily for taxes. Mm. I feel like that's such a good uh, way to negotiate for actually covering your tax. Sure, absolutely. I mean, one of the things, you know, when you you have a tendency to think, oh, wow, you know, $100,000, that sounds great, until you realize that a huge chunk of that is going to go out the door. It's going to cost you more because you're now going to have to take care of your record keeping. You're going to set up a separate bank account. You have a lot more uh, on your plate. Whereas if you were an employee, you wouldn't have to worry about any of this. Therefore, if you could use that as a negotiating tool, and say, I'm going to need just a little bit more money to help me cover some of these things, then that's a good place to start. Mm. And so could I technically say, okay, so you're paying me $100,000 for the year, which is great. Can we also put into the contract that you're going to be giving me a 5% stipend on top of that for my taxes? You can, but again, I don't think they would call it for taxes. Okay. Because then that would make it like a tax payment, Okay. which very few companies are going to want to lock themselves into something that says that because now it's probably getting into a legal area. So you can ask for a 5% stipend for expenses. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. That would probably fly a little bit better (laughs) than than saying, give me 5% for taxes. You know, we went over many more questions and I left on a bit of a high having an accountant is incredibly relieving. The way she explains things makes tax season much more bearable. And actually having someone in charge of my taxes frees up a lot of headspace that I can put towards other things. I have officially concluded that it is worth the expense of paying someone to file my taxes. I feel like this is wrong, but maybe you can tell me. (laughs) Um, When I think about getting an accountant, I'm like, okay, so then wash my hands of this, don't have to do anything. Is that wrong? (laughs) Famous last words. That's super wrong. Definitely appreciated Paco's blunt response. I may have swung a bit too far to the opposite extreme. Super wrong. Okay, tell me how and why. Your accountant is not somebody that you're totally outsourcing all of your anxiety and boring paperwork to. Not all of it. Their main job is to handle your state and federal taxes 
and they will give you tax advice and be your tax counselor when you go to them. So they're not like actively lying in bed thinking like, man, how are all the ways Darby is freaking out right now? They might remind you of a deadline. They might prepare your vouchers for your estimated tax payments. I don't know that they're going to you know, go out of their way to call you or text you and to care about you the way that, you know, you should be caring about your own stuff. There's all these other things like registering, setting up your LLC, renewing your LLC or your S-Corp, you know, renewing things with the state, renewing things with the city. Your accountant might not do that. And you really have to just be on top of very boring mail. That's really what it comes down to. Care about your really stupid, boring mail scan it, put it into a Dropbox, and then just ask your accountant, hey, do I do this? Do you do this? Can you help me? Can you hold my hand? Can you show me how to do it? Sorry, I'm so annoying. I'm scared. Okay, so I do have a role here. Stay organized. Yolanda can be a resource, but ultimately, I'm accountable for keeping on top of my documents when things are due, my expenses, and so on and so forth. The only problem is I'm a creative. Organization is not exactly my strong suit. So I would say try to stay on top of your bookkeeping monthly. I have been obsessed with giving this piece of advice lately, which is schedule weekly finance time, which basically means like you pick a day on your calendar that you can dedicate 30 minutes to an hour every week and you put yourself unavailable, you totally keep it sacred like, and just show up for yourself. And then during that time, look at your accounts, do your bookkeeping, follow up on your invoices, pay your bills. You know, if you're trying to learn some stuff, read books, read articles, hit up your accountant. Once you set up that time, because the number one excuse I get is like, oh, I just didn't have time. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the root of that excuse and say just create the space for it. If you prioritize something and you create space for it, it's incredible how that part of your life can expand. Prioritizing. In order to organize, I need to prioritize organization. Baby steps. But if you're not like me and you've already graduated past making it a priority... I do something really nerdy if you want to get, like, really into it. Okay, I use an income account. So I have one checking account, and all of my income goes into that account. And every week I look at how much I made in the income account, and then I make transfers. I disperse the income out of that account. I put a percentage into my operating account, which pays for all my business expenses. I put a percentage into my tax savings account to save for taxes. And then I use a percentage to pay myself. It's like something like 20% goes to taxes. And then let's say it's like 60% goes to the business. And then that leaves 20% to pay to me, right? So then you have separate accounts for all of these things? I do. It's totally a pain. But... No, that's amazing. <laughs> that is incredible. So then, and also I just caught on that you pay yourself. Yes. You have to pay yourself. Yes. Can you expound on that? <laughs> You just organized your whole life. Like, I feel like everybody who's listening can, like, benefit from that. You know what? I guess I forgot. There's this thing called the burden of knowledge. When you know something really well, you sometimes gloss over these really important details that seem small to you. And I did that. And I apologize. Quite I, all right. Sorry, guys. <laughs> mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. <laughs> the first thing you have to do is you have to separate your business from your personal. So you run your business through its own checking account. It has its own savings account. And then your personal, you just have your own checking account, whatever you have, credit cards. And don't put your business income directly into your personal account. You have to put your business income into your business accounts. 
pay for all your business expenses out of your business account. And you have to pay yourself because you're an employee of your own business. I blew your mind just now. I, you really did. <laughs> I'm going to have to do this because I, I don't do this right now. Um, essentially, we're looking at it as you are your own business. So you are, are mirroring what a business does. As it should, right? Okay, so we've just graduated from baby steps to gigantic leaps. We're not just talking about getting ready for tax season anymore. We're now talking about becoming a thriving business. It makes complete sense that if I want to be organized, I'd need to mirror how a business runs because technically I am a small business. I'm all about having it as nerdily organized as possible because I don't want to have to put in more effort. I just want to put in a bunch of effort on the upfront, come up with a really good system that works so that I can be clear on like, this is this means I have to get, have X amount of clients at X amount rate, and then my life is fine. And it's nice and it's clean and it's organized. I don't, I don't know that everybody operates in that way, but for me, that's allows me to have space in my life where I can just chill and focus on the things that matter. I think that if you're running a business or you're off on your own, you have to think in terms of processes and systems because ultimately that's what you're selling, no matter what you're selling. If you're selling a service, if you're selling a piece of software, if you're selling art, that's a great example. People always ask an artist, what's your process? You're ultimately selling a process. Once you get good at figuring out all the pieces of that process, whether it's suppliers or what you personally have to do to be creative, that's really what you're packaging at the end of the day. And if you can't do that, you'll never be able to remove yourself from the business and it will never be a business. You'll always be a freelancer, which there's nothing wrong with that. But for people who have been freelancing for a long time, what you start to realize is there's only so many hours in the day, which means you're only making money when you're working. And that, that's hard. I've never made this distinction before. A freelancer is someone who is paid for the hours they put in. So if you want to become a small business, you have to figure out the system that allows you to accomplish your goal or craft. That way, if you wanted to, you could remove yourself from that system, which allows you to run it on a larger scale, or outsource some of that system so you can focus on the parts of your system that you enjoy. I think the best way to figure out what your business processes are is to sit down and, and write down everything you do in your business every single thing you do, um, and then start to categorize what are the things that can be automated. And by automated, it can be a piece of technology or another person. Because ultimately, once you write out all your processes, then you can have a procedures manual. And once you have a procedures manual, then you can figure out, okay, I can keep running this business on my own if I'd like to. At least I have it all laid out. Or you can start bringing people on and having them run it for you. So we've just created a process for our small business now that we're doing a small business. Bingo. That's it. The weekly finance time is a process. So you sit down, you look at how much money you made last week. Okay, let's say it's $1,000 and let's keep it real simple. Your goal for the month is $4,000. Great. You made that $1,000 that you needed to make. Check the box. Make your transfers into savings accounts, the tax savings, pay yourself a little bit pay whatever bills you have that you can pay, maybe follow up on some outstanding invoices. And then, you know, that's it. That's the process for that. Until next week. One, two, three, and then voila, Bob's your uncle. Paco makes it seem so easy, but I guess I really won't know for myself until I try. My goal this year is to set up weekly finance time and not to get all preachy on you, but FreshBooks will probably be a huge part of that. It honestly doesn't feel as overwhelming because I have that resource. 
But not only will this help establish a system for my new business, this will also help with my 2019 taxes. I was dreading filing this year, and if it wasn't for having to create this episode, I would have easily let tax season slip by without learning best practices for next year. Taxes are not nearly as painful as I had originally thought. I just had to stop avoiding them in order to find that out. We've covered a lot of ground here, from taxes to organization to financial planning for your business. That's a lot to take in. But the good thing is there are people out there who specialize in these areas to help you out, such as accountants and financial advisors. It costs money to outsource things like your taxes, but that's the whole point of learning how to manage the money coming in for your business. If you organize your income by percentages, paying yourself, your bills, putting money back into your company, like Paco mentioned, you can allocate funds for things like your taxes. It just takes a lot of intentionality on the front end to organize it all. But if your income is just not to that level yet, there are lots of resources online that can help you understand how to file on your own. Hopefully, this episode was a good introduction on where to start. So remember, ignoring your taxes till the very last minute is one of the least helpful things you can do. And one or two of the most is bookkeeping and organization. Happy tax day, everyone! Hi there, my name is Adam Kagan, and I run a marketing agency here in Toronto. And the question is, what's one of my biggest challenges? And I'd say right now, that's probably scaling my business, bringing in a team, the right people to support me so that I can keep growing my business and bringing in new clients while providing the same level of service that I give now. Something that I'm most proud of is growing my uh, agency from zero to six figures in about six to eight months and hopefully continuing to grow it. And if people want to connect with me, uh, you can find me at my website. So that's equasocial.com. So E-Q-U-A-S-O-C-I-A-L.com or on Instagram. I'm at Adam underscore underscore Kagan. That's K-A-G-A-N. And yeah, feel free to reach out and connect with me at any time. Chat soon. If you'd like to be featured for Center Stage, there's a link on our website where you can record an introduction. Just go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. The I Make a Living podcast was brought to you by FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams. To learn more or get an exclusive offer, go to freshbooks.com slash podcast. If you want to attend an event, go to freshbooks.com slash events. A special thanks to Paco de Leon and Yolanda O'Neill for all of their insights on taxes and financial planning. If you'd like more information about them or you'd like to hire their services, you can find their contact info in our show notes. Next time, we'll be discussing work-life balance. Paco Arismendi and I will be interviewing a woman who has seven children and works from home. This podcast was made possible because of audio engineering and music composition by James Morris, co-production and direction by Paco Arismendi, and I'm Darby Masters. Thanks for listening to the I Make a Living podcast. Podcast.